This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's been a pretty newsy day in uh, Hawkeye Athletics. David Eichel here with, along with Sean Bach. Sean, how you doing, bud? I'm doing well. Doing well. Can't yeah. complain. So. Nice day outside, high school football starting. Seems like college football is within our reach. And Tomorrow, Miami, Florida, Florida. That's right. A couple yeah. other little games going on, but that one oh. should be pretty, pretty fun. I've been thinking about making my way down the casino for that one. No, you literally <laughs> Legalized just, here. Yeah, but you literally just said you don't have the money to do it, so <laughs> that's we'll on see. you. I'll find it. It's important enough to me. Anyway, welcome back to special edition of the Swarmcast uh, Again, pretty newsy day. Iowa basketball released their official schedule, which they said it would be released in August. I thought it would be done a couple weeks ago, but um, they had to, I think, get the official tip times and stuff for uh, the Las Vegas Invitational. And it was an opponent switch, too, because they were originally reportedly going to play Creighton in that first round, but I guess they would be playing Texas Tech, which, you know, national runner-ups, they lost a lot, but the, the name kind of brands there, and it would be a good mm-hmm. win. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely a really tough schedule and one that'll benefit them if they end up making it that far. Um, we'll see. I mean, they got talent, but today's podcast is about we'll football. Dive football. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll touch on a couple of basketball things at the end. But today was the official release of the depth chart. Not as many questions answered as we were hoping. And you knew they wouldn't give away too much, but you were hoping – uh, for some clarity, at least. I feel like there's a couple spots we got a little bit, but yeah. not 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 some of the important position battles that we were looking for. Yeah. I mean, looking at the offensive depth chart, obviously at quarterback, you have Nate Stanley. Really no question about that. Backup quarterback, you thought maybe we'd get an idea of who it's going to be, but Payne Mansell and Spencer Petras still, still have that or in between them, so... It's still kind of a toss-up at this point. I've been told that neither have really separated themselves, and that's kind of evident within the depth chart right here. Um, fullback, Brady Ross, no surprise. Running back, Makai Sargent, Torin Young, Ivory Kelly Martin. Interesting that Ivory uh, Kelly Martin was listed because they yeah. said there was a clear top two, and usually too deep. There was no or between uh, Young and Kelly Martin, but no. I was surprised to see Kelly Martin listed. <clears throat> no, but we said it before that. Kelly Martin's probably going to get, what, it's going to be 40-40 with Sargent and Young and then probably 20-15 with 15 to 20% of the carries with Ivory Kelly Martin, probably less. But Sargent and Young will likely get a lot of the carries, and rightfully so. Yeah, and you can, like you said, probably 15, because I think you sprinkle in uh, Shadrick Bird and Tyler Goodson, the freshman ring backs, especially in these early games when you're going up against Miami, Ohio, Rutgers, I mean, obviously, you probably won't use them against Iowa State, but then you throw them in against uh, Middle Tennessee State just to kind of see what they can do against Division One competition. Uh, but, yeah, like you said, not, not too much surprise. The one thing that was interesting, I mean, to me, though, Sean, was especially a wide receiver. Obviously, there's no news about 
about Oliver Martin yet. Uh, we kind of thought we'd hear here today, uh, but he was not listed on the depth chart. I, I actually was thinking for a while they might just list him on the depth chart, <laughs> and that's how they'd release if he was eligible or not. Uh, but no official word on that. But Calvin Lockett was the backup to Brandon Smith heading into fall camp, but now it seems they threw in Tyrone Tracy as Smith's backup. So you feel like there's definitely a solidified top four at wide receiver uh, with Brandon Smith, Emir Smith-Marset, Nico Reganey, and Tyrone Tracy. Yeah, definitely. Just looking at the group and what we've been told and what we've been hearing, there's really no way to go wrong with this group. And adding a guy like Albert Martin, if he ends up being eligible, is just another piece of the puzzle that will really make this group what it reach its full potential and really a top tier of the Big Ten, in my opinion. Um, you see it, You see on here they don't have the slot because don't they usually list the slot like the they they have it times usually what i believe it was last year was it was brandon smith and then they had nick easley but amir smith marset was easley's backup yeah but when you go into three wide receiver sets i mean it was amir smith marset or nick easley yeah but smith was out there i mean almost every snap you think yeah and a tight end too they only have one tight end spot listed Nate Wheaton is a starter. Drew Cook is backup because Sean Byer's been out for the past couple past couple days of practice. Not really sure how severe that injury is, but Drew Cook is definitely fits the bill. He's a good backup. I think Sean Byer too is a, or not Sean Byer. Nate Wheaton is a guy that can make an impact as well. I mean, not kind of has to. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. The one thing that we we've kind of mentioned on our on our boards is. I mean, you're going to have to get some production, at least some playing time out of freshmen, the freshman tight ends. When you're only three deep at tight end, um, you know, and, and I think the younger guys, the ceiling's higher, so you try to give them some run. Josiah Meeman and Sam Laporta, and Laporta is, I think, going to end up being a really – I know it's going to be another guy where Iowa just adds and – all the other coaches are saying, how do we not have him on our radar? I mean, after he, he signed with Iowa, he got a couple text messages from people, uh, coaches, other media members saying, this, I don't know, you know, Iowa got a steal. Everyone's going to be kicking themselves, you know, in the future for not looking at him. But I also think it was because of the tight end talent that was in Illinois. I mean, Logan Lee, obviously, was very highly touted, now a defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josiah Meeman. I mean, Iowa got basically three of the best tight ends out of Illinois, <laughs> if not the the best tight end prospects out of Illinois. And Laporta is also, I think, third in receiving touchdowns in state history, 50. So, I mean, he's yeah, a guy with high in, ceiling. Second in receiving yards. Something along those Amazing lines. Amazing how under the radar he really was when you yeah. put up numbers like that. That's what happens when you play in small, small town Illinois, mm-hmm. southern Illinois. Not even Illinois. Illinois didn't even reach out to him either, which I bet. I mean, Illinois got a good one in Luke Ford, but yeah, it's, I'm sure they would have been happy with a guy like Laporta. Kind of keep going on the list on the offensive end. Uh, everything else is kind of shaking out, I think, the way we anticipate. Obviously, Alaric Jackson – Tristan Wirfs starting at tackle. Jack Plum is listed as the backup for Wirfs. And we've heard some pretty good things about Plum. Redshirt freshman, six foot seven, 272 pounds. And he's got a frame where he can still put another, another 30 pounds on him. Definitely. And the guards, I think, <clears throat> don't want to dive too deep into him, but there's still some question marks there. I think this kind of what is right now, I mean, Levi Paulson is listed as a starter at right guard. Oh, him and Cole Banwart are listed as kind of it's the or thing mm-hmm. again and at left guard you got landon paulson 
who I think is a true star over Tyler Shocked, his sophomore walk-on. But I think Tim Polisek's really going to move the guards around because with all this depth chart, he kind of said he'd have a better idea of where they're going to be at a week from now after media day. Um, but but I think he's still kind of <laughs> – I think it's I know every position you kind of monitor week after week but this is a position that I really think is going to be one that changes very frequently. I think they have to because I think they know like hey, we got to run the ball better this year and they're not going to be able to stick with those outside zones because Iowa's runners right now are going to be better between the tackles. They're not going to outrun, you know, speedy defensive backs or linebackers. I mean, they they don't have a lot of guys that are proven to be able to make people miss. They need that constant five, six, seven yards uh, going up the middle. And that's when Iowa football is best, is when they can do that, sell the play action, then throw a deep ball. I mean, we saw that uh, in the Outback Bowl when they did that to Nick Easley because Iowa knew they weren't going to be able to run the ball against Mississippi State. But they had to do it to keep them honest. And notice when they did that play action on that long touchdown throw, Jonathan Abram, the Mississippi State safety, completely bit on it. Uh, and that's what allowed Easley to get so wide open and get the extra step. Mm-hmm. So Tyler Linderbaum going to be the first freshman center starter, uh, I believe since 2006 when Raphael Eubanks started. But the, the one thing that surprises me, and I do anticipate this changing, which is why it's a, not a big surprise the way to see what the depth chart is, there's no true freshman either side of the ball, which is something that was interesting to me because – you were there this week, Sean, when uh, Phil Parker and Brian Ferentz both said, you know, we got some tough decisions to make with guy- true freshmen. There's a lot of guys that could potentially play. So I you feel like they might be keeping something up their sleeve a little bit. Definitely. Maybe not four or five positions, but at least one or two guys that can crack that too deep and can be, you know, a, a contributor this year outside of special teams, which I'm sure mm-hmm. there'll be a few few guys that really step up there definitely and Kirk Ferentz has joked about in the past that they kind of throw a depth chart out there for week one just because they have to you know it's kind of for the fan sake for the media's sake especially because I know if the media didn't have anything then we'd be we'd be pretty furious and furious about that so I'm sure there's a few freshmen true freshmen here and there that can that are uh, lined up to get some playing time don't know which ones in particular. Maybe we could see a Dane Bell in that safety, especially based on the safety depth, which we'll get into in a minute. Um, who else? I'm trying to think. I that's really the one at the top of my head that I could Dane see. Dane Belton's definitely that. Jamari Harris potentially. Maybe he's a more of a one to four guy though, one to four game guy. But he'll he'll get yeah. some run. Uh, Jack Campbell potentially freshman out of uh, Cedar Rapids. Wow, my mind is. Cedar Falls. Cedar Falls, yeah. I knew it was Cedar something. <laughs> Cedar Falls. I mean, he was very impressed when we watched him in high school. I think we watched him in a game where he had 10 tackles in the first quarter alone. I believe yeah. it was against Bentendorf. Yeah, covers covers a lot of ground and is a guy that kind of fits the bill of that Iowa linebacker mold. I mean, he's a little longer, kind of like more of a Nick Neiman type where it covers a lot of ground, doesn't really do much things flashy, but kind of gets the job done for you. And I think that's what the Iowa coaches have really liked so far in practice from him. Just he understands the game, very high IQ player, and just can is able to bring guys down and make plays. And I think that's all you can really ask for, especially from a freshman. I think he's very mature too for his age. Put on some weight since he got to campus too. I think he's up to about two eighteen right now, and he was he was a two two oh two oh five maybe. Yeah, that's at most when he came in. Um, 
But the thing is about him, he uh, he has a, he has a nose for the ball. Uh, he is very he's, his pursuit is very very good. He's a guy. I feel like another guy. I feel like where other programs outside the Midwest wish they would have dipped their toes in a little bit more. Yeah. Because remember, this was a battle between Minnesota, Iowa State, and Iowa. That was it. But in all reality, it was Iowa, Iowa State. Minnesota yeah. seemed to be on the outside looking in. Uh, another guy that. Uh, the one of the first names I was mentioned by Phil Parker the other day, Sean, was Davion Nixon, and with good reason. Uh, he was listed as the backup heading into fall camp, but he was at or with Austin Schulte. Um, but Nixon has been extremely impressive in fall camp. And I, I said this, I think, a few weeks ago, and we kind of all talked about it, but I really feel like he could be the starter by the end of September or at least get the majority of snaps because I think he's going to be too good to keep off the field. He's picked up the defense. He's a, Just the energy about him is just different uh, than anyone, I think, in that interior uh, defensive line. I think he could be a big impact to take pressure off of A.J. Epinesa and Golston because they can't double-team everybody, and you have yeah. a really good pair of starting edge rushers. Yeah, no, I could totally see that. Um, I think with the right tackles – on the defensive line. You got Shannon and Schulte who are kind of interchangeable. I mean, they are Schulte's four inches taller than Shannon, but they both kind of have similar skill sets. They're not guys that are going to wow you. They're going to clog up the lane, clog up the rushing, the running holes. Um, Davion too, like you said, Dave, very, very, very impressive from what we've been told, what the coaches have said during media availability. Just a guy that you want on your team. Um, someone that pretty decent athlete for his size he's huge too he's a big three like he's a big 310 <laughs> yeah. and 310 you think's big enough i mean he looks like a guy that's about 325 he said he he brings he has so many intangibles and so many things that you like about him that it's hard to keep him off the field if he's not maybe producing from a i don't know a skill standpoint in terms of bringing guys down or something then he's going to use his leadership and his vocal and his communication skills to help out his team and do whatever it takes to get to really limit the offense and I think with a guy like Davion he's got the tools that he can do more than one thing he doesn't have to only rush the quarterback or just clog up space down there he can get to the outside get around some of the blockers be able to sack some guys quarterbacks um eBay Motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Just a lot of things that you like about them. It's like you said, hard to keep them off the field for sure. Not too much surprise at linebacker, uh, although I did think maybe a true freshman would at least break the two deep. But Christian Welch starting middle 
probably deservedly so. He was very versatile for Iowa last year. Uh, backup Dylan Doyle, I think pretty expected. We've heard a lot of really good things about Doyle so far through summer and uh, spring, summer, and fall. Uh, keep going on the list. Jaiman Colbert up there. Nick Neiman's listed as his backup. The real thing is that uh, Barrington Wade is listed right now at the starting Leo uh, linebacker, but you feel like Nick Neiman in the 4-3, Nick Neiman's getting moved to the outside linebacker, and Neiman will actually be the starter there. And Wade will probably be sprinkled in here and there. Starting cash, DJ Johnson, not a surprise. He's been extremely impressive for a redshirt freshman uh, basically all throughout, all throughout, I mean, what, spring, summer, and fall, at least when we've been able to, to watch him. Uh, so that kind of wraps up linebacker. But the, the real thing we got to kind of dive into for a couple minutes, Sean, is the safety depth and the in the cornerbacks. Cornerbacks, no surprise, Michael Ojemudia, Matt Hankins as the starting two. Julius Brents is not listed, which surprised a lot of people, but just to kind of preface that, he has been dinged up, and yeah. Iowa does not list injured players on the two deep uh, for obvious reasons. So I wouldn't really be too concerned there, at least from what I'm hearing, but we'll see what Kirk Ferentz has to say when we talk to him on Tuesday. Um but no, Riley Mosslis is a backup, and DJ Johnson. So I think they're really trying to keep the true freshman off that uh, off that too deep. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think that's kind of a strategy standpoint. I think they don't want some of the guys getting too big of heads right away, and really because I think there's still some more um, things they want to see from those true freshmen. I think there's still some that are on the cusp of playing, and some that are on the cusp of maybe like hey, I think we just want another year and, like, we need to see more out of you before we can really put you on that depth chart. Because, I mean, it's an honor to be put on that first depth chart, you Especially know. Especially Kirk Ferentz depth chart because, that, yeah, like, AJ Epinesa didn't even break the starting mold for two years, so. Exactly. So, so it'd be, yeah, I think they're still waiting around. I think there's still some guys that won't play right away, but maybe week three, week four, somewhere around there can really prove themselves. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, the real thing is, too, I was going to talk about was safety because right now there's I think there's a pretty fair amount of concern right now with the safety depth, uh, and I think there should be a little bit of concern. But they have talent. It's not proven talent. And they have that typical Kirk Ferentz kind of walk-on story uh, with Jack Kerner, who was listed as the backup to Kevon Merriweather. But I'll tell you what. I wouldn't be sold that Kerner doesn't start week one. I still think he has the outside shot to start week one based on what we were kind of uh, – we heard from Phil Parker the other day, kind of challenged Merriweather publicly to turn his game up to another level because we saw during the uh, kids' day scrimmage, Seth Wallace lit into Kevon Merriweather before a play. It had nothing to do with on the – like during the play. The play hadn't even started, but he was lined up completely wrong, and those are the kind of – mental mistakes that really work up Seth Wallace and Phil Parker because Phil Parker is very scheme-oriented. The way a lot of his guys have succeeded is you have to be lined up where he tells you just what the what you need to do. You can't rely on athleticism uh, to make the plays. Mm-hmm. And he'll take you out for someone who actually understands where they're supposed to be at the right time. He'll go with a slower, slower guy, but if he plays discipline to his defense, he'll throw him in. Yeah. And I think Phil Parker's comparison to Jake Gervas with Curry kind of gets you a little giddy a little bit. 
considering it, what Gervas meant to the defense, what he led the t- team in tackles last year, right? Uh, right? Yeah, A9. First, I think it was the first safety in the Kirk Ferentz era to lead yeah. the team in tackles. Yeah, and having another Jake Gervas on your team, a winner, a guy who is a good tackler, really just good in coverage too, like that – that's a, that excites you. That's that's something to look forward to for sure. And Kevon Merriweather's I probably the best athlete, the safety bunch though too. So I mean, if you can get him up to speed, I mean, he's a guy who can make some. I mean, he was a big, you know, he was a Division One basketball recruit, six mm-hmm. foot. He threw down like a three sixty one hander at, at a gym and posterized some kid, and that kind of went yeah. kind of went viral for a little while. Uh, Geno Stone listed. I know people were concerned when they saw him in a T-shirt during the Big Ten Network special, but as far as we're aware right now, he's fine. I'm sure he practiced. There shouldn't be any concern there. Uh, Wes Dvorak listed right now as Geno Stone's uh, backup, the walk-on senior out of Parkston, South Dakota. So, I mean, you know, you could throw in Dane Belt and you could throw in a couple maybe younger guys in that safety bunch, but Iowa... You know, Merriweather, Kerner, Stone, and Dvorak have some proving to do because that if their safeties are weak, teams are going to go deep on you. Yep. Think about Josh Gaddis with the Michigan offense now. He's not going to be afraid to go deep. Uh, Iowa State with Brock Purdy because Brock Purdy has a big, big arm. He's not. They won't be afraid to go deep either. So Iowa really needs – I hate assuming they're 2-0, but barring a major surprise, they'll be 2-0 they got to get some confidence in that safety bunch those first two games because otherwise they're going to get torched deep and continue to be challenged there. Yeah, there's still a lot of question marks. I know there's depth, but there's a lot of cons- there's a lot of safeties, a lot of young safeties that are capable, but I'm just not – I just, you just need to see more out of them. In practice because you can't yeah. throw them in a game because that's just going to cost you if they're not ready. Yeah. There's only so much you can do with learning experience. You've got to prove it at some point in practice. That's why Desmond King played. Desmond King as a freshman, people probably might not remember this because of how good he was later on in his career. Desmond King got absolutely torched his freshman year. Almost every single game continued to be challenged. Phil Parker stuck by him because of how good Desmond King was in practice and how seriously he took it. Yeah. But this isn't a year where I you can Iowa can afford to get torched because this is the year they got to win the big they got to win the Big Ten West. In my, I mean I've said that in my opinion they need to win it this year because the window's there. Yeah, totally. And I think that I think safety is where we could see the most true freshmen kind of get some run. If they emerge, if they for if, sure, yeah. If they emerge, and if some of the guys up there right now don't handle their business, and I was gonna say, I'm not sure if I mentioned this as a note, but uh, Brady Reef and uh, Cedric Ladmore obviously listed as the two starting defensive tackles. A lot of people have been very high on Cedric Ladmore, and a lot of people feel like he's due for a big time senior season. You know, he very good player in high school, was pretty decently recruited. He was a guy that perhaps got thrown in the fire too early in his career. Probably should have redshirted, but Iowa had to throw him in the fire. So fourth year, I feel like this is the year again. He has to get it together, but he has the experience now uh, that maybe if he was a redshirt, you know, he'd have another year. But that early experience can pay off. Saw the same thing with Parker Hesse after Mm -hmm. I think Drew Ott went down. Parker Hesse had to get thrown in the fire, and he wasn't ready to go at that time. Another oh we do need to mention though uh, we have a punter Sean Iowa has a punter Michael Sleep Dalton the 
soon to be 27 year old, which I found out. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. Right away, Michael Sleep Dalton, 27 year old from Australia. Uh, it's gonna be Iowa starting punter. You kind of knew that going into it. A lot of people are very not concerned, but weirded out by the fact that he wasn't listed on the two deep when fall camp began. Began, but like Kirk Ferentz told him and told everyone, he's not gonna hand the starting job to a guy. No, no. and I think he proved to in Kids Day what he brings to the table because he's a guy that started out slow, had like one kind of his first punt was a little off, but. As the day went on, he was constantly getting kicks, like at the 12, then the 8. I think he had one. He had one inside the 10 that was very, very impressive. He had one on the one-yard line. He did a back spin. Yeah. It just it was the weirdest thing I'd ever yeah. seen. But he knows how to do it because he did that on a few punts. Yeah. So. He's definitely – he's. I mean, I know punting is always – Kind of, I feel like it's more appreciated Iowa. Yeah, because of how frustrated, because Iowa. of how because of how frustrated they've been over the past couple of years too. Yeah, but I think he's going to be punting's huge. He, yeah, like you said, it's huge. I think Iowa fans are really going to be happy with him for sure. Yeah, and he, uh, and yeah, like I said, I think he provides some stability similar to what Ron Kaluzi did uh, when he was a grad transfer. I believe he was out of Western Michigan. Colton Raster listed as a backup. Uh, just side note. Uh, Ryan Grisande is out for the year with a knee injury. Uh, I don't know when he, if he got hurt in fall camp or what the whole deal was there, but yeah, he's, not sure. gonna be, he's not going to be uh, in contention for any time. So, I mean, I, I'd say he's probably going to apply for a medical redshirt more than likely. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, Caleb, Shudak, uh, Caleb Shudak and Keith Duncan both listed on the depth chart. They haven't really decided on a kicker. And it's kind of hard to – to blame Kirk Ferentz and company because they went 13 for 13 during the practice we saw. I mean, they were both hash marks, 50-plus yards. I mean, they look good. Yeah, and he's they're, – they're, Kirk said that both of them are going to contribute. It's probably a smart thing to do. Yeah. I mean – Yeah, because I don't know which one in particular is better at, like, long distance, which one's better at short distance, PATs, everything. I mean, if you're a kicker, you have to be good at PATs, but I think they both bring different things to the table, and if one's not working, then they'll put in the other one. I'm trying to remember when Miguel Racino's had the job. Uh, like, during the Michigan game back in 2016, they used Keith Duncan for, like, the 35 yards or less, and they used Miguel for the longer kicks. Yeah. So maybe that's what they'll do. Who, know? Who knows? But I'll tell you, Keith Duncan's leg looked a lot stronger than I thought it was going to be, though, too. Because, like I said, I mean, he was hitting 50 yarders. Pretty, I mean, they were pretty comfortable. Yeah. But other than that, not too many surprises. I'm. I will say this: I will be surprised if the depth chart does not change by week one. Like what we actually see on the field is not what we're going to see on the paper. I do think some true freshmen are going to get some decent run, and I think I feel like they have a list of guys, uh, you know, that they're still trying to debate if they want to redshirt them or not. I think Justin Jacobs, the All-American linebacker, can, can contribute on special teams mm-hmm. at worst, especially since he gained 25 pounds since he's arrived on campus. Yeah, a 220 hasn't lost a step speed-wise. I mean, he's probably the most explosive linebacker on the roster at this point in terms of a pure athleticism. So he'll be one to look out for. Jack Campbell, obviously, we mentioned. Uh, Dane Belton. I'm trying to think of a few other guys. Uh, I still think Tyler Goodson. They're on the verge of potentially not redshirting him, the running back. Uh, you know, I've heard a lot of really, really good things about him in practice. I think he's really impressed. But 
if he can translate that during the first couple, I won't say tune-up games, you know, they'll see where to go from there. Yeah. Any other? Am I forgetting any other freshmen? No. Jamari Harris, Jamari, one to four, you yeah. think? Yeah, I don't know. I think there's still a couple guys, maybe Sebastian Castro, Castro that yep. could come in. Um, there's still some question marks, so don't really want to assume too much, speculate, but yeah. Be on the lookout for some freshmen. Yeah. That's just why I would say. 100%. We'll, we'll do a full, I don't want to say a full dive, but we'll get more into in-depth with Miami, Ohio, and even the depth chart when Dylan rejoins us on on Tuesday. Again, no Oliver Martin update. Uh, we'll, we'll really get into this on, on Tuesday with the basketball schedule, Sean, but I think we should at least spend two or three minutes at least discussing it. Uh, Fran said after they lost to Tennessee in the NCAA tournament that it's going to be the, the hardest schedule perhaps in school history. And, you know, you know, Fran likes to, I don't want to say exaggerate, but tremendous, phenomenal, improved drastically. Like he's a very adjective-heavy guy when it comes to players. I don't really think he was overblowing the schedule. It's it's no, pretty it's, 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 it's pretty hard. It's loaded. There's there's really nothing else you could say about it. It's absolutely loaded. It's gonna be it'll be fun. I mean it'll be nice to see some of these bigger games, but that's if you gotta if you wanna be the big boys, you gotta play again you gotta beat them. So I will say I don't think that they're particular I don't think they were expecting to lose a couple people that they did though. Yeah, that's true. You keep in mind when they put this started put this together, they had Isaiah Moss. I think they expected Tyler Cook to go, obviously. Maybe cuz you don't know when they started it. Yeah. You think they would know. They expect to have Isaiah Moss, they expected Macy Daly to come back. I mean, <laughs> they expected to have all these guys and uh and expected Jordan Bohan to be healthy cuz we don't know, but all signs are pointing that he is not going to play this year. Again, nothing official, but just kind of that heavy, that big time of a surgery in the hip. Five months later, going to be playing heavy Big Ten basketball. Jordan probably could tough it out, but it wouldn't be good for long-term health-wise. I mean, come back, be healthy, and actually for the first time in his career, and he's already had a pretty good career without being healthy. Yeah. And that's why they got Bakari Evelyn, too, the grad transfer from Valpo, to fill that point guard role with Bohannon being out. So I think it would be a smart move if he, st- if he uh, sat for the season. I want to at least say a couple of these games. Like I said earlier in the podcast, they are playing Texas Tech in Las Vegas on Thanksgiving instead of, instead of Creighton. Either way, it would have been a good matchup. Yeah. Creighton's going to be much better this year, I think, too. Uh they play 14 games against teams ranked in the top 50 in the net rankings from the year prior, which is, it doesn't sound like a lot to people. Guys, that's a lot. Like, that's, that's a pretty loaded schedule. A uh, couple of their, I want to say gimmies, but lesser opponents, uh, they're going to play against Oral Roberts November 15th. Then they play uh, North Florida, Cal Poly. Then they'll go play Texas Tech. Then play either Creighton or San Diego State. Uh, and then here's the stretch, though. Between November 28th and December 1st, every team that they play was ranked in the top 100 last year in the net rankings. They're going to play against Syracuse. They're going to play Michigan, Minnesota, uh, Iowa State, uh, Cincinnati. And I think there's one more game in there that I'm forgetting. Uh, but, I mean, that's no joke. And they open Big Ten play at Michigan. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be – ooh, 
It's brutal. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, to say the least, it's a brutal schedule. But Fran kind of got ripped by some fans because they, they didn't play a tough enough schedule. Well, he uh, he turned that up about five notches. Yeah. <laughs> and like I said, people will be like, oh, they play Kennesaw State. Oh, they play everyone plays these gimme games because <laughs> you, you can't afford to play 32 games against quality opponents. You need mm-hmm. some tune-up games. You need some yeah. games where you don't have to play your starters for 30, 35 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, and I think those same fans that are complaining about Iowa potentially losing more games this year are the ones that were complaining about Fran not having a very tough schedule. So, Plus, we've kind of got, seen how the NCAA yeah. works. Yeah, and you got what you asked for, so <laughs> there you go. There'll be, there'll be good tune-ups for conference play, that's for sure. They're going to be a fun team to watch. They are going to be intriguing. And here's the thing, and I was trying to bring it up a second ago, but the way the NCAA committee has worked and has shown – Bad losses. I mean, good losses are better than bad wins. Yeah. And I think Iowa's kind of taking that under their wing because this is a year where I feel like they're on the verge of making a tournament or not. They have a lot of talent, missing one or two little pieces. also depends on what Patrick McCaffrey and Joe Toussaint can do. Yeah. Uh, but they're really going to load up on the quote-unquote good losses, and it's important to kind of keep that in perspective when they go down the stretch and when they're actually maybe in contention for a bubble spot. Because with that schedule, their their nets could be, I mean, Iowa could be eighteen and fourteen, top of my head, right? Have some nice couple of good home wins, maybe one big away win, have a lot of good losses. They're probably still in the top forty of the net rankings just mm-hmm. based on the algorithm. Yeah, and that should be good enough to get them in. So the tournament too. So not much else you can ask for. But yeah, again, we'll dive more into that on maybe a little bit on Tuesday. We'll do a little segment, obviously, in the future as basketball season. But basketball season is still two and a half months away. Iowa plays Miami, Ohio uh, in Kinnick Stadium. Night game, opening game. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. I know people yeah. you know, kind of sh- shrug it off because it's a lesser opponent, but it's a night game, opening big. I mean, opening the season. It'll be fun. It'll be a late night oh, for us, at least. Yeah, I mean, that'll be a 2 a.m. night. Yep. Oh, well, worst things in the world. Football's back. Uh, we'll be back on Tuesday to break things down. If if there's a decision made on Oliver Martin, we will have a podcast up. Uh, hopefully within the hour that happens, but, you know, life happens, and, and we'll see where it goes. But tune on Tuesday uh, for the next episode of the Swarmcast, and as always, stay tuned to HawkeyeInsider.com, our 24-7 sports, for the latest Iowa information. Thanks for listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.